0: All right, so I'm here with um, Dr. Bruce Kaplan and Ann Law. We are inside Barking Legs Theater. You guys are celebrating 25 years of being here. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us, Barry. Thanks, My Barry. pleasure. The reason that I wanted to, to talk to you guys, uh, several reasons. Um, one, 25 years is a big deal. It's an amazing deal. But two, I, I think it's interesting because it kind of represents, what I want to hear is your thoughts on arts, especially arts in this city, how you make a theater like this work, um, assuming it does work. I don't, I don't want to put words in anybody's <laughs> mouth. <laughs> um, but you guys have, a, I think, a fascinating story. You moved here from New York, correct? yes let me let me set that bruce is a doctor as i said a neurologist right and is a professional dancer teacher artist you guys came here intentionally
1: <laughs> does that seem strange yes <laughs> yes
0: tell us how you came to chattanooga
1: uh, that's probably primarily my story um in that i was in new york city doing stroke research as a fellowship. I'd finished my my neurology training. I was thinking I would like to work in a laboratory as well as see patients and that's how you go about doing that. I was giving rats strokes for which the rat population will never forgive me I'm afraid. Uh, But the main thing I learned in my three years of doing research was that I really was not cut out to be a researcher and um, So I started looking at jobs in in neurology practice. One of the beauties of having been in New York was being part of the music scene there and uh, during that time Ann and I got to know Dennis Palmer and Bob Stagner, the Shaking Ray Levi's. And in fact it got to the point we knew them well enough that when they came up to New York to play gigs they would sleep on the floor of our 16 by 19 foot studio apartment. So that friendship grew out of the time there, and in my search for jobs, people are a little surprised to hear this, but you simply go to the neurology classified ads, though I guess classified ads are even more surprising to the current right. generation. But right.
0: We'll explain those later. <laughs> we'll, we'll have to. We'll
1: have to. There'll be a, a glossary at the end of right. this podcast, but um, there was an ad for a position in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and... I grew up in Miami, did my training in Philadelphia, then New York, and grew up in Southern California, and then moved to Miami, then Philadelphia, then New York. And I think we were both ready for a smaller place to to live and have as a base of operations. And then there was this intriguing thing of having known these very interesting musicians in Chattanooga. And frankly, the reason that I didn't breeze past that ad like I did many in in similar places in terms of size was knowing Bob and Dennis and feeling like they could feed Ann's and my artistic interests. So we pursued uh, the the ad, uh, had an interview, liked what we saw and made the decision to take the position here and move to Chattanooga and that was we moved here I believe in October of 1990, and I started work in January of 91.
0: Okay, so Barking Legs then didn't open until 93. What What were you doing? Uh,
2: that That's a very good question. Um, <laughs> I wasn't sure what I could do, so I was doing some gigs in the public schools with Bob and Dennis and. Um, meeting other artists and checking out other possibilities. And the one thing that I found, which I think is so important to a place is space. And the only space that we had available for performances was the Tivoli and the Memorial. So, and and the Chattanooga Theater Center, but that was kind of a, even though it's a community theater, was kind of a private entity to itself. So I had no place to really do any performing and- like in New York City, we had small venues, you know, a 100-seat venues. So small performances, that's what also creates work, is that when you have a space, all of a sudden people are starting to create work for that space. So kind of the importance of space really comes in creative placemaking in Chattanooga. And so I was wondering, so how am I going to present new work? And who else is making new work? Well, nobody was making new work there you know it was just kind of like you know they played in you know musicians played in bars right you know that's all we had so uh, it took me a while to go wow I don't have a reference point here usually moving to San Francisco Miami Philadelphia New York City you had reference points Um, performance spaces were already entrenched and here in Chattanooga that wasn't the case it's
0: interesting Chattanooga at that time 91, 92, 93 we one of the very few towns especially our size that had a symphony and opera we had two ballet companies we had multiple smaller community theaters but we didn't have what you're talking about Um, the Shake and Ray Levi Society that you mentioned uh, and you guys I sort of think of as Parallel arts groups, partly because of your relationship, but partly your missions sort of
1: complemented each other. I, I would agree. Yeah, we're yeah. definitely both outside the mainstream.
0: Yeah, I, I was trying to think of all morning the words to use: <laughs> um, non-traditional, avant-garde, improvisational. Stop me if any of them are well, wrong. Well, I will tell you a
1: funny, a funny brief anecdote. Uh, we had one performer here, he's actually come several times, he's a preeminent contemporary jazz piano player, his name's Matthew Shipp. Mm. And when we booked Matthew, his agent said, there's two words I don't want you to use in your publicity, avant-garde and experimental, because they turn people off. And he said, "Matt, even though Matt is a very on the edge pianist, he wants to be thought of as a jazz pianist. Mm. So. We, I, I've kept that in my mind, and in my promotion of events at Barking Legs, I try to avoid. Sometimes they're the only appropriate t- terms, but I don't know what the heck to call us. I don't either. Well,
2: I mean, you know p- what, well, it is a good question, because, you know, I think when, also, when all of a sudden we could do Barking Legs, and, you know, we kind of, put our ideas and thoughts together, it was to support original work. I, I didn't want to support what the community theaters were doing. I wanted to do original work. So, I mean, Matt plays original pieces you know he composes so i wanted to support choreographers people who are actively involved in creating right so to me we can use the word avant-garde because it's different and new and but really when it really really just blends down to the core element of it it is the creative process people are creating and they want to present their creations
0: which is similar to what Dennis Palmer you mentioned earlier. He and I have had that conversation, had that conversation many times uh, before his death, trying to describe what they did, improvisational music, um, which is part of the reason that I'm so sensitive to it now. And I think I, you mentioned Bob Stagner. I know he and I got kind of sideways at my choice of words once or twice. Um, With Bob. Yeah, I think I called it just plain weird, uh, and I I meant it, I meant it yeah. in a complimentary way, like Austin, you know, be weird, Austin. There that whole campaign. We meant it that way, but um, it's it is it's interesting because of describing it puts a perception in people's head. As soon as you tag it with a word,
1: it right. creates something. So right, and we don't want the word to be off-putting. Right. Um, hence Matt Schiff's <laughs> manager's dictum. No avant-garde, no experimental." But
0: Well, I mean, I've, I've had people in the community st- say, you be careful calling something the arts because it automatically right. puts, you know, oil paintings and classical music in their heads when they're not considering right. that comic books are arts and right. how your light switch works is art and your clothing are art and right. all those sorts of things. So... Um, but it leads me to we've got a lot to get through because you guys have done a lot
1: 25 years and 25 we're still years. we're still up still yeah. up <laughs> to year zero
0: <laughs> not up to year zero um and we're going to jump around but it brings up the point that i think part of what has impressed me so much about you guys is a willingness to adapt I'll never forget, and I know I've told you, And you called me one day sort of out of the blue and said I need to tell you that we're going to stop doing the dance. I think it was the contemporary dance. That was not going to be a focus anymore. You were going to shift more. I don't remember if it was traditional or more mainstream or more be a space for other people. You were shifting to something, but you said people here don't come to Chattanooga For contemporary arts, they come here because it's a great outdoor city and they want to go canoeing and hiking and they have other things to do, basically. Mm -hmm. I just thought that was the most insightful, mature sort of observation, uh, because what I was used to was people being bitter uh, calling me and saying, I I brought this great gift to the city and they won't accept it, (laughs) you know, because they're Mm hayseeds or whatever. Well, that is I, not what you... Um,
2: right. I, and I think that that's where where uh, Bruce and I really looked at, okay, so if we are to do community arts building, what does that mean? Uh, uh, start someplace where it's, there is a familiar, you know, that, that's something that's familiar. And so Bruce and George Bride actually started, I think, I don't know, in 1997,
1: 98, our, fir- re- our first shows as Flying Fingers Productions were in the fall of 1997
2: and th- and that and there was traditional, traditional bluegrass music right. and um, all of a sudden the, and the work the work that I was doing when I first got here is of course feeding my community because I, I also feel like the um, the involvement cannot be just personally driven, I, and I've never been a diva in that kind of way. Um, I've always like looked at community and through a very complex system said, "Whoa, I don't think we're really dealing with racism here." Whoa, how about our queer arts? Nobody's ever presented, you know, uh, uh, the LGBTQ performances to feed that community. You know, really looking at elements that were missing from our lives that could enrich our lives and after about seven, eight years of doing that work um, we said well wait a minute why don't we septi- you know, really bring in some other work and, and kind of broaden it, open it up a little bit, which I thought was an excellent idea. And then, then all of a sudden we were getting these really mixed audiences, which was wonderful because then once they started to trust us, they started to also expand a bit. You know, they started to kind of check out some maybe jazz concerts. Oh, they came to to a couple of my dance concerts. And, you know, we we started to kind of blend and really fuse our communities and our our specific audiences. So to me, that was like a a really positive thing. And because why are we here? I mean, we're here to feed you know that's what we do we feed individuals that make up our community
0: yeah it's that perfectly describes what i was thinking about it it's it, except i would add maybe professional if that's the right word you guys have just done it it's always felt like a professional space it's not felt like even though you're for people who are not in chattanooga it's located on dodds avenue in a part of town that's not downtown uh it's not highly commercial it used to be sort of a i don't know what would you say neglected part of town it used to be part of town again that was on purpose right
1: well it was what was available and affordable and we made our decision not based on real estate value, but based on the utility of, of the structure, right. and it worked perfectly for what we wanted to do, and it was affordable. That helped a lot.
2: Okay, so let, let, we'll go back to the space, because that is really important. This is a cinder block building, right? right. And it has bar joices. Jo- bar choices that hold up the ceiling. So there are no support columns in this entire 4,000 square foot building. And for us, that was like critical. It was just absolutely critical. We, we looked at buildings all over Chattanooga, but a lot of buildings that we could afford were, were wood structures, were supported by beams, had a roof that had definitely had seen better days. And then the 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 rain and water damage just went through every floor and so you know we were and this thing was like made of concrete (laughs) so even though the ceiling the roof was gone it was just falling on concrete yeah no it
1: was it was an archaeology project to get it going (laughs) but it was structurally sound we replaced the roof but the walls were solid the floor was solid and all, we had all the no basics pillars. were there nobody had to like right. sit
2: behind a pillar and adjust
1: i mean know? even in new york we're used to going to concerts where your seating choice had a lot to do with the pillar yeah the right. pillar avoidance <laughs> attempts right. um right. and it's uh, you know the space well maybe not all the people listening but there's no obstruction to any view from any of the seats in the house.
0: It's one of the best sounding rooms anywhere Mm -hmm. Um, and I heard you say it's a dancer's floor.
2: Mm -hmm. It's Uh, just a it's a great it's intimate you're right there with the performance performer Uh, the performances just I mean really just come into you here You're, you're you're not there's no heavy distance between you and the stage and I just think it's the best place ever, and I, I mean we were we were hoping to create that, but but also going back to your word professional, you know yeah I think of Bruce as a professional I think of myself as a professional, but I think that there was something that what made us unique as program um, programmers uh, of of the arts was that we were willing to take a chance on somebody, and what. What was the underlining, you know, uh, governing uh, sensibilities that we had was that if it sparked something in us, I mean, we would go with it. Yeah you know and we were always kind of looking out for new things new ideas and and who was thinking in a kind of unpredictable way i think that that was really a strong tie for me especially with the shaking rays uh, bruce and i have been very committed to the art of improvisation and and exactly what does that mean you know to me it's that uncertainty the the level of surprise that flows through that moment that there's no linear thinking. And I think we were also kind of applying that philosophy to how we program as well. So we were all over the map.
1: Yeah, well, and yeah. that that's partly by design. I mean, as far as programming the music, the music and did all the stuff for the first seven years or so, or however, right. first five years. Yeah. And uh, one thing I noticed, because at that point I was very, 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 okay, putting be more very busy getting a neurology practice going. So I didn't have a heck of a lot of time to be involved in running a theater. Um, but one thing I did notice was the music always sounded good. And um, I think Anne was reaching a point where she wanted to scale back somewhat on her involvement in programming. And I was good friends with George Bright, son of Fletcher Bright, and I, you know, I said, George, the music always sounds really good in here. And he and I, and I don't remember who initiated it, whether it was him or me, said, well, let's start doing some music. And George and Fletcher are really tied into the world of bluegrass and the picker world.
0: Fletcher, for people, was founder, co-founder of Dismembered Tennesseans, uh, very popular local and regional and even national uh, bluegrass bands oh, he, from the 40s. So.
1: He, he's revered absolutely uh, amongst fiddle players uh, right world just, over
0: just produced uh, the three sisters bluegrass festival earlier this month in September um, so George was certainly connected Has well, what a real we love started for music.
1: doing was Fletcher helped us connect with some of the best players in Nashville and typically we would get them as solo duo performers when they weren't performing with their their big-name act, but these were, I mean, so from the start we were getting Grammy-level performers, yeah. the, the best players on their instrument from season one. Uh, and, and that did set a standard of professionalism that we have tried to maintain. Uh, uh, we, you know, my criteria for bringing a musical artist to Barking Legs, first of all the space is magical, and it has to be a, mu- a type of music or musician that fits the space. It really isn't a great rock and roll space, in my opinion. It's too staid. It's a little too formal, yeah. uh, I think. Though we've had some good rock shows, and, and uh, Scott Bruce is doing his best to prove me wrong on that, and I, I like the results. I know they
2: sound good, but the, the... not
1: primarily a rock ambience, uh, but it's a great place to listen to pickers, to jazz players, yeah,
0: because you're sitting you could reach out and
1: touch. It's like a living room concert but in a professional environment, Right. and that's the comment that some of the performers made. The performers love to come here because they they get an attentive audience, they're treated respectfully, they may not make a fortune but they always walk out with what they're promised, Um, and uh, they're done early, which actually matters.
0: (laughs) professional is uh, I think that's a thats a good word but uh, also commitment um, when I think about what you've had here and you were talking about the types of shows you've had everything from high school kids bands but you never it never became that it never felt like you were doing it just to get rent the bands that played had to have something a little bit different and have some commitment to them mm-hmm. everybody that came here at least had to be committed to it, whether it was going to work or not, right? right.
1: Certainly is. if they're being produced by us, it's a sort of tricky thing that we we struggle with to this day because we do rent the facility to outside um, producers. And sometimes the stuff they produce, we don't want confused with what we produce. Sure. Um, but definitely when, when it's under our name, we try hard to, to have it have some thought go into it.
0: You've had dance, you've had comedy, you've had music, you had salons, workshops. What haven't you had in here?
1: Wow. Fire.
2: <laughs> yeah, we, 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 but we that saved that for the backyard. Yeah. So now we have a performance space in the backyard, too. And I, I think, too, Barry, when we first started, um, we, we had to really sit down and say, okay, how can we make this happen? And I turned to Bruce and I said, in five years, barking legs will not exist if it has to pay rent and if I take a salary. Mm. We're just... It, It can't do that in Chattanooga, Tennessee. So we had to really like look and see is it worth us to is it worth us to make a commitment to this community and could we live on Bruce's income and me not have an income? And we decided that we would do that. And
1: the stipulation I made was it cannot be a black hole. For our personal finances. right, and especially and so if we've tried I was, to run it as a break-even proposition, right. and it has.
2: It has. It's been. It has. It's been wonderful, and that's been the first twenty-five years. And as we now get ready to kind of transition into, um, an, uh, just as active, but uh, also as an advisor to, um, a, you know, a new staff that means the next 25 years um, has to support salaries. So we're really looking at ways if, if Barking Legs is to continue its investment in this community, um, we have to have paid salaries. So that's the new, you know, paradigm paradigm for the next 25 years is, is, Chattanooga going to be willing now to even up it a bit more
0: I've not traveled a lot so I I can't speak to this and I'm not gonna try to but it's where do you think barking legs the arts the evolution of both fall my guess is we're not that different than other cities maybe our size a little bit bigger a little bit smaller even i we're, we're obviously not a metropolis we're not in new york we're not a, even in atlanta or some of the some of the bigger ones that can support a lot of different types of arts by sheer numbers um you guys in my opinion can probably speak to the evolution of the arts in chattanooga as well as anyone so i'm, I'm curious kind of based on what we've been talking about, you've had to adapt, you've had to grow. Uh, You've seen, uh, I'm thinking, you can't just be a dancer and do something like this. You have to be a money manager, a programmer, an observer. I mean, so many hats, right? So what is that like? What has that been like? over those years.
1: <laughs> Ask me when I'm taking out the trash on Friday morning. Well, I had two questions <laughs> thinking
0: of coming over here. How many times have you said, I can't believe we made this decision to come here, and then how many times have you said, I love that we made the decision to come here?
1: <laughs> I, I, I'm way more on the love side. Very, in fact, I, there were early on, and not because of Barking Legs or the arts, but because my practice had some... Uh, growing pains. There was a point literally a year or so in where we gave thought to, to pulling up stakes <laughs> but since then not at all. Not at all.
2: all right. Uh, we we said that we would give it four years and then after almost almost close to two years we just said, Whoa, whoa, whoa. I, We're, <laughs> I don't think we can do it. I don't think we can really do it. And um and then all of a sudden things just switched. So in literally we you know if we really kind of dug in January 1991 you know two and a half years later came Barking Legs. So then we, th- then I think once we had this place, we could really say, okay, now how does this look? What, what does this look like? Um, and I, I'll never forget, you know, in those first two years, I did a program, wh- one of my first programs, I think, over at the Hunter Museum with Marianne Kaiser, Marianne Williams. And um, I said, I'd like to do a dance film uh, series. And they were like, going, "Well, whatever. Okay, let's try it." And you know, there would be like twenty to forty people there, and um, and I got these amazing dance films, and um, I, and I'll never forget somebody, um, you know sent me a note from New York City going, why don't we have this here? And so I realized that I was was picking up on things that I was interested in and and sharing them with Chattanooga, and Chattanooga really didn't have any interest, you know? So I was coming from, you know, I mean, you could say, oh, I think I was 25 years ahead of my time. I think it's just that I had so much experience in my life that when I came here, I was thinking big, big, big move it further in different directions, and it just wasn't working, you know. It it was really hard those first two years. It was just like I kept doing a New York City thing in Chattanooga, and it wasn't working. So then I had to switch gears and go, wait a minute, wait a minute. And I think it was in the end of 1992 that I made a duet. Um, I got a small little commission from the Chattanooga Ballet to do uh, a piece for them. And I asked if I could perform in it with their ballet master. And I did Safe Sex. And it was this, it was a comedy. And I thought, I'm going to do a comedy about safe sex, right, for the Chattanooga Ballet community. And they went nuts over it. And then I realized I had to start approaching, I had to approach Chattanooga as as a community member. And not as an outside artist and so and then I really needed to look at like community-based arts and community-based arts organizations and what are they doing in their towns and though this town was not like any other town and but what does that mean exactly so I think that 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 was a big eye opener those first couple of years and then then as we went into it, we kept adjusting. And And as Chattanooga adjusts, we continue to adjust, you know?
1: And we are open to that. And a recent example that that I would give would be Songbirds has come along. Some of our artists now perform at Songbirds. People say, does that bother you? I say, no, I'm very happy to see it happening. Mike Dewar is a great guy. He's doing great things over there. If more people see these artists and they make more money, and they help support that great institution that's all a plus we'll find other we're about filling niches that aren't being filled by others that's really what parking legs is about
0: I, I think what you just described both of you is exactly what i was thinking when i said professional and talking about where the building is located there have been a lot of arts groups that have come in and i've talked to them as part of my job and i can't tell you how many they said we're opening this theater we're going to educate Chattanooga. We're educate the market. We're going to do these plays that don't get performed here. And I learned over the years talking to people like you, especially, they don't get performed here for a reason. Um, so you you had uh, what I respect about the way you did it is you looked at the community, figured out what they wanted, then and, and then how can we do something different? How can we add to that? Uh, yeah. Without. Being um, patronizing mm-hmm. or, or off-putting or so far out, you know. And then, like I said earlier, that whole idea of well, it's Chattanooga's fault. You know, they're not educated enough to have gotten what I was presenting, and that.
2: Yeah, but that's such a selfish viewpoint, really, when you right. think about it, and you can go ahead and be selfish. There's a lot of selfish people out there where we're we're under a dictatorship that is completely selfish. So, I mean, you know, to me, that's like so, uh, that, that's that's an end. That's a dead end. To me, that's a li- really limited viewpoint. It's so predictable. I just have no interest in it at all. I, th- I just I th- don't.
1: We We like to nudge change rather than hammer it.
0: I put it, I think you guys and the Shaken Ray Levi Society, um, in ninety, in early 90s and before Chattanooga was, I mean, it was very, I don't want to say middle of the road, but it, there was a road and it was going in one direction, and for whatever reason. I think... The consistency of the work that you both both organizations presented changed people's minds to I don't like it. It's too weird. To that's maybe not for me, but I respect what they were doing, and I get it. And I I just think it opened. I mean, we're going under. We're undergoing a bit of a renaissance. We we proudly like to talk about. We have a lot more artists living in town than we ever had before. We have districts with art going on uh, things like songbirds I don't think we've exploded but it feels a whole lot different than it did 20 years ago and I think a lot of that is just that attitude well first of all we've got more people that have moved here but even the ones that have grown up here I think just that little shift in attitude of it may not be for me but I'm glad you did it and I'm glad it's here and I'm glad I gave it a try do you guys feel that?
2: Mm-hmm, definitely. Most definitely. Yes. Most definitely. I mean, Barry, remember? I mean, I was a little angry with you at first, when <laughs> I, but I, I called you up and said, you know, Barry, I think, you know, um, I'm k- kind of getting the, the edge of the sword here with our art, Allied Arts, remember? And I'm wanting to bring in um, Tim Miller one of the NEA 4, and I'm getting some real heavy duty pushback here. And I kind of just wanted to share it with you, but then you ended up putting it on the front of the newspaper, and the next day I was fielding calls from our television stations going, there's a riot going to happen at Barking Lakes Theatre, and I was saying, no, there's not going to be a riot here, everything's okay, and I immediately got off the phone when I realized what was coming down and called uh, the police department and said, I need to hire an off-duty policeman, because I had no idea if we had pushed the envelope a little too far by by bringing um, you know queer art to to chattanooga and with um, nudity with nudity <laughs> can i tell you how
0: that
1: happened what's the statute of limitations on that barry <laughs> you think I am, we're okay
0: i am so glad you brought that up mm-hmm. it was in my printouts i was going back through some of the people you have bought brought here um here's exactly what happened we this was about what 2000 yeah because it was short no. No. No no, no 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 Barry it was In 1996 the,
2: 96 yeah couldn't, it was yeah. definitely couldn't pre, yeah
0: couldn't have been because the reason I know this is it had to be 98 or 99 okay
2: maybe 98
0: because the two the papers had just merged and I don't remember who told me yes. Tim Miller was coming and our managing editor at the time who fancies himself a hardline journalist said, he's one of the NEA four. We need to do a news story on that. There there will be people upset. And I said, I've heard nothing of anybody being upset. I've heard nothing of anything other (laughs) than this thing is coming. So he made me call a local pastor until I found one that was opposed to this.
2: Oh my gosh, I didn't great know that. Story. I have I have yeah. never known that. We story. created that story? Oh my I, gosh. I
0: because of my my boss wow. created an issue where there was not an issue. Well,
1: and right. the shows were sold out.
2: Totally sold out. And we, so, and people were so We'll have so to thank your your I got, So many thank you notes. I got so many thank you notes. There was no problem. There was no riot. No, there
1: there were protesters. There was a few, but they were peaceful. But you know what?
2: This was another thing that really. This is when you know you're doing community arts. Is that the head of the theater department at the University of the South really wanted to expose his theater students to much more than what was happening? And he would call me and say, "Would you? We can't have the performance on our campus." But you could, yeah. so we kind of had a quote-unquote sugar daddy who literally would put it in his line item, and we were not out any performance fees, and um, and we had several performers doing that. And in fact, the um, and, I, and this is another place where you can really uh, you know Paul Bonen Rodriguez was another artist who came here and performed and he happened to come down and see him and gave him the first Tennessee Williams award at the University of the South and without barking legs uh, he would have never have seen Paul in performance now Paul is a professor at the University of Austin at Texas and or the University Texas. of Texas at Austin <laughs> and um, so you know there's some just beautiful success stories that come out of a little place like this. I mean just beautiful. Well,
1: and yeah I, I can tell you from dealing with countless artists that what we have here is not typical of cities this size. A lot of people are jealous of us. In fact people in Larger cities are jealous. We've had people from Nashville saying, we wish we had something like this in Nashville. People in Atlanta, they've struggled. There's a place there called I-Drum. that has been on and off for years, can't find a permanent space. They host a lot of the same type of events that we do. Um, But as I said, they can't find uh, a place to really call home. Um, So, I mean, we're proud of that. Uh, It's been a great adventure. (laughs) <laughs> I think it's uh, community.
2: Yes, and, and also a commitment to the community if you can possibly afford that, because I early on I said if we don't secure a space immediately we will we will not be able to afford a space and that means that that will limit our time in this community so there is a responsibility that I I hope that the city of Chattanooga starts to say wait a minute um, we've got a couple of buildings here that nothing's happening why don't we put a couple of nonprofit arts organizations in them for the next 20 years and really have have a, a, a secure uh, environment that will always be supporting this community. So Bruce and I did that individually, but I mean, to me, I've seen so many arts organizations and so many artists come and go because they couldn't afford to be here, that there wasn't the support that they needed.
1: May I suggest the Mason's Lodge at the corner of Main and Dodds currently for sale would be an incredible home for arts organizations. Right.
0: Let's um, thank you again for doing this, but I want to ask about money. In 31 years of covering um, arts, I don't know money has always been an issue for any art organization but it seems to be such a Dominating topic right now. Um, part of it is an adjustment in our own city where we used to have local benefactors. We used to have large local companies, and it was a simple matter of running into the CEO at church on a Sunday or where Saturday or whatever and asking for a donation, and it's it's not that way anymore. Arts Build, which you mentioned, um, used to be the large fundraising organization for 16 locals. We now have more organizations and less money coming into arts build. So where are you guys with the the money struggle? Uh, You were talking about the next 25 years and not operating at a loss. How has that impacted what you do?
1: Well, I mean, we have been funded through generosity of individuals. Uh, the local foundations have been very helpful, particularly when we did our renovation. The uh, local foundations have been helpful with the music programming. Uh, we've never pursued corporate donors, so that's probably part of the reason we're less impacted, and we do provide an element of personal support uh, always. And um, We hope that that the shows we do are economically sensible. They're designed never to lose too much money, and sometimes actually make some money. We have our concession stand, uh, which makes some money, and uh, we soldier on. But it's definitely going to require, as Ann was saying, because as she and I transition out as purely volunteer participants in the organization to the requirement for having some salaried staff, uh, there will have to be more stepping up to the plate. And how that happens, we're not sure. Some of it, we're hoping to generate increased revenue from the space through those rentals, uh, but uh, it's it's an up-in-the-air situation, for sure, because you never we're never gonna really be able to support ourselves based on the shows we do. And and our bar, quote unquote, doesn't function like a bar. It's more like a concession stand. doesn't generate the kind of revenue that I've heard at some of the other places by a long shot. It's just not that sort of environment.
2: Right, we're not a bar, which right. is a, right. a real positive, I think a, a, has been a very positive thing. Um, I'm also finding that um, as we go into this, because we've never really, that like Bruce was saying, in the 90s and into in the early 2000s, you know, we had the support of a lot of institutions, and now we're. Then we step back from that, and we just really did performances that were breaking even and and would make a little bit of revenue and you know we just kind of piecemeal it together and I think as we're thinking about the future I, I think again we have to turn back to our community and um, and start to kind of utilize uh, our assets in a different way here. Um, and we're meeting more and more people at the front ticket counter of of really retirees. I mean, we talk about the arts community, but I was just at Whole Foods two weeks ago, and everybody in the store was basically maybe 10 years younger or older than me, And I didn't recognize anyone, which is highly unusual for for me being in this community for, what, 28 years. And I thought, whoa, where are these people coming from? So I think we have a big influx of people who've decided we're going to retire, we can get more of a bang for our buck in Chattanooga. Now what? Um, the other night we had a performance and I just happened to be at the ticket counter and, you know, and somebody said they just moved in from Austin, Texas. Well, that's a no brainer when, when property taxes went from 8,000 one year to 27,000 the next year. So we're, we're starting to find another couple came in from Alaska. So they you know, had done their Alaska thing and we're looking for warmer weather. And Florida was too hot. So I I think that there's some very untapped territory that we just have to look at differently. And and we're older now, so this gives us a chance to kind of uh, negotiate our community in a different way.
0: 25 years is a great milestone. It's one of those, whether you think you're going to or not, it sort of makes you look back and be nostalgic. What are you proud of when you look back? What are you most proud of?
1: Well, I think, first, I'd say the, the longevity itself is, is a source of pride. I agree. I, I look at, you know, my focus has been on music, and I look at some of the performers we've brought here over the years, and I'm very, very proud to have been associated with it and presenting them in, in, in a respectful uh, and uh, quality way. Uh, both for them and for the audience, and for myself. Part of, of my decision making is, I don't want to produce a show unless I want to be there. Yeah. And I, very rare that that has not played out. Um, you know, I think we have helped this particular, somewhat neglected part of Chattanooga uh, rise up some, and I think more will happen. And uh, I, I'm proud of the partnerships we've forged over the years, including with people like you in, in the media who uh, are supportive and who we turn to. Richard them. huge. Um, there's a lot. I, I, I've said this to Anne. At this point, I realize that if, when my day comes and my earthly race is run. I'm going to be remembered more for my participation in Barking Legs than having been a neurologist, I believe.
0: How about you, Anne?
2: Um, Barry, you know what? Um, It is such a pleasure to be here for shows and to to experience um, sound like you normally never get a chance to, and the ambiance of this place, I, I don't know if it's sitting on some wild meridian line that sinks up, but we can have a hardcore hip co- hip-hop concert Friday night, and then a bluegrass Saturday night, and it's just like, This place just goes, okay, all right, uh, clean that, and here we go for the next one. It's just like the energy is always fresh here. You know, I enjoy, I still enjoy walking in those doors. You know, I think it's as beautiful as it's ever been. So, you know, I never tire of this space.
0: I'll say it for you. I was at a show Saturday night, and I ran into a kid who I had coached baseball in middle school, and he could not have been nicer. He really made me feel good about myself because he remembered it so many years later. I bring that up not to talk about me, but I have heard from several dozen fairly young people who credit you guys for the jobs they're in, the careers they're in. The fact that they're working in the arts—we've
1: um, had some marriages that had their genesis here. Yeah.
0: So, you know, those kinds of things you don't know at the time the influence or impact that you're having. Um, but I think that's really cool. Those are those are that's you should be proud for for those as well. I think
2: yeah i definitely i really feel we are
0: yeah i mean i
2: definitely agree with you
0: whether they saw a show and it made them want to see another one or they came to work for you or whatever but without those experiences you just you just never know yeah well congratulations on 25 years and 25 more i hope I hope I'm here talking to you. Yeah, that that, that
1: would if if the three of us can hold a conversation 25 years, That's that will be already defying the odds. I think.
0: Let's look <laughs> it. I put it on the calendar. That's yes. <laughs> Dr. Bruce Kaplan and Law, thank you both so much for your time and thank for, you Barry. for barking legs. Thank, thank you, you. Thank you.
2: Thank you, Barry.